Welcome to the Options Millionaire Podcast, where we walk you through the tools, techniques, and strategies we use to become seven-figure traders in the options market. Your hosts are Peter and Travis, founders of the Options Wealth Academy. All right. Welcome, everyone, to another Options Millionaire Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Peter, and I have with me my friend, Tor, Travis. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> and yeah, I was I, just telling Peter before we hit record, I was like, I can't believe it. Like, this is a new project for us with seven episodes in. Like, we're, we have some good momentum. So um, I, I'm excited. So I'm excited for today's uh, episode. What's What's today's episode about, Peter? Yeah, I am too. Uh, I am and I'm, it's weird. So this one, in this episode, we're going to cover um, a subject that's kind of a bit difficult, but it can be exciting at, at the same time. Uh, and it's, uh, what was your biggest mistake trading options? So I could actually act, have a whole list of them, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same here. <laughs> Yeah, and, and and so this is my uh, so I'm on this uh, hook to start first. Um, so I'm going to start off with a story that um, for many, especially from both the Success Academy, the Options Wealth Academy, you probably haven't heard of, um, and it's probably something I don't cover enough. I was I was thinking back to uh, this what I was going to talk about with this episode. I can it stands out my biggest trading mistake I made. Uh, but it's something I don't cover enough. So uh, so this podcast is going to kind of bring that out. So um, so I'll kind of go back. It's going to go back a ways because it's something I learned in my initial journey trading options. So uh, and it was after I made this mistake after learning what is probably the simplest yet most difficult strategies to learn and implement. Um, and that was uh, when I was learning. I was still learning. Um, from Travis's free course. So I had yet to be enrolled in a paid course where you you really get, we talked about this in our last episode, um, where you really get that mentorship and you have a group of people that are doing the same things. It's a lot, there's a lot more um, you get out of those programs, but I was still in the free course and I was making money. I was paper trading. I want to be clear. Um, one of the first things Travis taught me in his free course is you paper trade everything. Um, so even though I was paper trading, it was still very connected to me as a trader. So I was trading just simple calls, buying call options on companies, using the strategies taught in his course, and I was very successful. Um, and uh, so, but one of the things um, I would always hear, I would see different snippets of Travis's videos, and I'd always hear of uh, strategy Travis was uh, trading uh, and it was called credit spreads. And I would see, I would he would give us little snippets of his spreadsheet from his members area. So from the free side of it, we wouldn't see the whole picture, but I could see enough. And after learning enough from his free course, I could somewhat understand what was going on in a credit spread. So I knew I, I'm selling one option and I'm buying another one for protection. And uh, in that transaction, the way you do it based on which side of the house you're doing it, bull or bearish, um, you end up with a credit. And one of the things I noticed in his videos, as well as his spreadsheet, was the uh, amount of consistent monthly income these things would generate. And it really hooked me, right? So at this point, like I said, I'm still paper trading. So the good news is my mistake didn't actually cost me real money. However, 
even as a paper trader, I was very connected in a real sense to my results because I knew that if I couldn't do this on paper, it would be almost impossible to do in real money. So, um, so I'm paper trading and my account, we're nearing the end of the trading year. Uh, and even though we don't really, especially now, I don't really end the year, so to speak. I just kind of put things into perspective from a tax perspective, but um, I don't really stop my trading. My trades just constantly are going. Um, but I'm nearing the end of the year and my account is up just about just a little bit more than 30%. So that's the incredible thing, right? So I'm learning how to trade simply call options on different stocks throughout the year. And I'm up about 30%. Um, and my thought process at the time is if I can generate the kind of income Travis is generating um, in just a few trades, my account can double by the end of the year. And that's kind of how I was looking at it. So, uh, and and if you're wondering, this goes back like about nine years. Um, if you're wondering how I know all this, it's because I had a spreadsheet and I came across it. And in that spreadsheet, one of the things Travis used to tell us was, hey, you know, put down your thoughts, put down what you're thinking when you're trading in your trade plan. So I'm looking back at this and it's just bringing back all the memories that are in the back of my head uh, on this trade. So bottom line is I saw the basic mechanics of the spreads uh, that Travis was selling in his spreadsheet. And I decided to just break the number one rule Travis taught us in the very beginning. And that rule is risk. Uh, so I, I broke that rule right off the bat because all I saw was profit. All I saw was 50% return on my account. How cool would I would this be to brag to my friends in, in at work that I just doubled an account? Granted, it's paper, but my first year trading options, I doubled an account. Um, so, and so what I did was I sold a credit spread on IBM. Now, IBM at the time was doing very, very well. So it, it met all the parameters with the template that we were taught. Um, but I was violating the basic parameters, uh, the number one parameter, which was risk. Um, but it was really cool. So I sell this credit spread on IBM. And this is my first credit spread. I don't understand all the mechanics of a credit spread, especially the most important one, which is how do I get out of it? I just assumed, hey, this thing's going to work out. And all's all's well that ends well, right? That's what I thought. Uh, but it was pretty cool. I sell this spread and the amount of money that just magically showed up in my account uh, once I executed that trade was amazing. And I looked at it and I said, hey, as long as this trade works out, I'm going to end the year up over 50%. So on one trade. So you can imagine the amount of risk I am taking to increase my returns by another 20%. So uh, I place a trade. I'm all excited. Uh, and within a week, I'm no longer excited. That trade went horribly wrong because IBM didn't react at all the way I, my template might have suggested. And um, to make matters worse, uh, one of the things I didn't do, this is another thing that uh, Travis used to talk about, was uh, check earnings at the time when you're trading options because there are certain stocks that react very violently to earnings no matter what the earnings were. I don't really remember what the uh, actual earnings were of IBM at the time of this, but um, I do recall that uh, IBM dropped significantly because earnings came out about a week after I placed my trade. Uh, IBM dropped a few days before earnings and just continued to drop after earnings. Um, so now my spread was so far in the money, I had no idea what to do. So like all amateur investors and traders that bite off more than they can chew, 
I panicked. Uh, I ended up closing my spread at 110% loss. And I'm sure this is making Travis's head tilt in disbelief. Like, how could you do that? And it's like, well, you can. The broker let me, it was a paper trading platform. Maybe that's why. Because I think in real money, it doesn't necessarily do that. Although I, I have found in real money, it will let you close it out for more than 100% loss on a spread uh, if you're willing to do that. But anyway, long story short, I closed that thing out for 110% loss. Um, and because of the amount of money that I risked on my account, um, even though the good news here, there's two good news stories here. The first I told you I was in paper, but um, the second was it didn't wipe out my account. It just wiped out most of my profits. I And I, like I said, uh, the good news part of that is I still ended the year on a pretty respectable return, although what I could have had if I just sat with my normal trading strategy uh, was a very, very good return. 30% return is a fantastic return. So, uh, but that took a backseat to the amount of money I saw that I lost. And with the humility, humility you feel, right? I was, I was just like dejected, um, especially you know, I, my friends would always ask me, Hey, how are your trades going? How are your trades going? So now I got to go into work the next day and say, well, not so well, you know, I just lost, uh, not only did I lose, um, a 30% return because my return, I think I ended the return looking at that spreadsheet. It was around 12% for the year. Um, so it just wiped out so much of my return on my account, uh, because of the amount of money I risked. Um, so anyway, the uh, like I was saying, I remember um, one of the other things, kind of the story behind this, uh, one of our pilots in our unit, he came up to me as I was closing out the trade. It was on my lunch break. I remember closing out the trade and he looked at me and he's like, dude, even I could have told you IBM was going to drop. <laughs> so needless to say, I was irritated. But the lesson from that mistake actually didn't sink in until much later when I became a member of the Success Academy. Uh, and I can see now firsthand how credit spreads worked and how you manage them. Uh, but the left came in focus, really, uh, it, it came in focus based on risk. But that lesson actually comes to mind every time I trade spreads. And it actually came into focus this past year because um, the market's doing something that I've never traded through. Um, like I've traded through the 2020 bear market, but it was like four months of uh, volatility. This market's not really seeing the volatility, but it's falling. And at the end of this year, it fell from the beginning of 2022 to the end, it was down 13%. So um, this lesson actually brought, it, it actually was a lesson that helped me not lose so much money in credit spreads this year. So, um, so even though uh, it was, you know, a difficult lesson. My words of encouragement to those that are listening that have that have made similar mistakes, and it doesn't matter whether it's in investing, trading options. Um, you can the, the lesson that comes into focus, uh, or, or I'm sorry, um, you learn to overcome that mistake, right? Um, and that lesson learned or taught me how to um, trade in the future and how to focus on risk first, because profits, especially in credit spread trading, when you see the amount of money that's going to dump into your account immediately, the, money, it, the trade executes, the money's in your account. Uh, and when you see that, it can be um, 
it can really take your focus away because it can, it can, it gives you all these visions, you know, and, and you're, you're excited. Right. But um, that lesson I learned so long ago is what teaches me to first focus on, well, let's think of worst case scenario here. Cause the last thing I want to do is ever relive something like that. And the good news is I never have. Um, I've, always i always make mistakes and and you're always going to there's never a time where i'm perfect at trading uh it's just human nature you're going to make mistakes the good news is though this lesson taught me that my mistakes are very minute and they don't have a big impact on my account over the long term uh and and basically what happens for me is uh, I continue to push through all my failures uh, and learn from something, another staple of Travis's that he taught us is, hey, a failure is only a failure when you quit. A failure is actually a defining teaching moment. Um, so every time I have a failure, I just kind of push through them and I always come out the other side, a better trader and a better investor. And when you come out the other side as better than what you're doing the day before, you're just naturally going to become more successful. So with that, Travis, I think I went over my time. I didn't even set my timer. So um, hopefully uh, hopefully, others can learn from that wisdom. Yeah, I like that. Um, you said something that's important too. You said most failures are not failures. One way to put it is a failure is a learning experience where the lesson was not absorbed, right? Mm. Because you said, oh, it doesn't turn into failure unless you give up. Yeah, because most people do give up. They don't learn the lesson. And so, yeah, it becomes a failure when you don't learn a lesson. And mm -hmm. But if you learn a lesson, it wasn't a failure. It's a learning experience, right? So, right. yeah, they're both, yeah. The same event could be a failure. It could be a learning experience. And the only thing that matters is how you interpret it and what you learn from it and what actions you take after that. Yeah, and so, I think the big thing there is, too, it's it's like, for me anyway, I always took it personally, my results. Mm -hmm. so yeah. It was important that my results were always good. And today, I still take them personally. I still obviously strive for the best results, but mm -hmm. I realized that, number one, I'm always going to have losing trades. That's, that's yeah. first and yeah. foremost. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and and you learn when you learn to live with losing trades because you, you're focused correctly on the risk, right? And uh, and you you have a, a solid plan. It's never always perfect, but you have a solid plan that keeps you out of real bad danger. Um, the the losses are just you almost tend to shrug them off like it's a loss. You can go back, look at it, and say, "All right, did I do anything wrong?" Nope. Mm -hmm. The market gave me the loss. The market's yep. going to give you losses. It's also going to yep. give you wins. You yep. know. So I think that that was kind of the biggest thing for me when I look back on it today. It's like it was more of a um, humility thing for me. And, and it's had, it's had a huge impact on my ability to trade successfully today. So. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, good. Now I guess it's my time to get on a self sure is. talk to the, the psychiatrist and confess all of my sins. Uh, but first I have to pick on Peter here. Cause he talked about at the time IBM was doing great. I'm like, uh, what time are you talking about? Because I pulled up a 20 year chart as you were talking. I was like, IBM hasn't done great. And on a 20 year chart, it's not done great any time in the last 20 years. Right. Well, it's all perspective, but if you pull up a 20 year chart of uh, IBM, like it's gone nowhere in 20 years. And for the majority of the 20 years, it actually went down. It actually started going up 
uh, let's see, about 2021. 20, and um, so it's it stayed flat. Now, now to in, in IBM's defense, though, it, it pays a decent dividend at the at right now, as of this recording, it's 4.68%. So that's pretty decent, I would say. And that's most likely, give me one sec. Sorry, I had to clear my throat there, folks. Um, and that's most likely why people hold IBM. So because even though it's gone nowhere for 20 years, people have consistently got that pretty nice juicy dividend. And so even in 2022, the market of 2022, like IBM actually went up a tiny bit, um, but people weren't holding it for the ability to go up or down. They were holding it because those people who held IBM in 2022 actually made money versus everybody else who lost money because the market fell about, you know, between 18 and 20%, give or take. Right. But because people, IBM had that juicy dividend, people held on to it. They have no reason to sell it when they're getting a guarantee pretty much roughly 5% a year. And so that's one of the reasons people hold IBM. And also one of the reasons why it stays flat is because they take a lot of the money and they pay it out on the dividend. Now, that's a side bonus lesson I didn't meet, mean to get into. So now let's talk about my biggest mistake. Cue the sad music. All right. So my biggest mistake. And I'm going to take this for a different direction here um, because I've made, I don't, I try to stay away from like the biggest, the best and this and that, because it's, I don't know. I don't like that. I mean, I've made several, but I, I, I do know, I do have a biggest mistake. Uh, I've made first, I've made hundreds of mistakes over the years, right? There's always going to be a different biggest mistake. The the biggest one I made recently. So I'll talk about the biggest mistake I made most recently, and then I'll backtrack in the past. So the biggest mistake I made most recently is I lent money to family, and because of greed, I didn't rebalance my account. Right? It, just hearing that, you might not realize it's a mistake. It is a mistake because we gave a significant amount, and so it threw my allocations out of balance. And what I mean by that is I usually have a portion of my account devoted towards bullish trade stocks that go, I mean, trades that benefit if the stock market goes up. Then I have a portion dedicated towards insurance. I buy stock insurance. A lot of people don't know you can insure your stock market portfolio. So I usually have my portfolio insured and it's usually uh, 80-20, 80%. Well, yeah, about 80-20, uh, 20%, you know, insurance and other things and then 80% like stocks and all that. So when we let money off, it threw that balance out. And so I had it at a, at a more risky allocation meant that if the market went up, I would make a boatload of money. But if it went down, I would get destroyed financially. And what did it do? It went down, <laughs> of course, <laughs> right right as I did it. So I should have reallocated and moved things around after we gave out the money. But I was on like my holiday break. I was like, ah, the market is still going up. I, I can just do this later in a couple of weeks. And uh, I mean, it just in a couple of weeks, I literally almost lost half of my money because the market fell that fast. And so we're not talking about small numbers here. We're talking about millions of dollars. And so it was it was gut-wrenching and depressing, and it pissed me off. And I went through the five stages of grief and everything else. But I learned a ton, um, and I doubt I'll make that mistake again anytime soon. At least I hope not. And I try to remain humble um, because mistakes often happen when you're not humble and instead are arrogant. Like That mistake took me by surprise because I'm like, 
how in the heck did it happen to me, Mister? I never lose money. Like that's that's my superpower. I just don't lose money. I was like, but that's arrogance, right? I felt immune. I guess I was like, God oh, caught me by surprise. Um, but it did happen. So I'm like, okay, I have to remain humble and paranoid from this point on because I realized, like, wow, man, I, I that's a mistake nobody would assume I would make. But it did happen. Um, a lot of it. And some of it was in my control, some of it was out of my control, right? But I want to circle back to what I said earlier about making hundreds of mistakes. Oh, first of all, um, oh, the, let me, the solution to that, because I just don't want to tell you the mistake, because you might run into that either. The solution was, and what I realized it was a mistake is because I gave from my heart versus a system. So I am a, sometimes a softy, you know, I give money to people when they probably when I shouldn't probably give it to them, they get themselves in a situation. It's not my responsibility to get them out of the situation, but I feel bad for people. And so I help them out. Um, so I'm giving from my heart, not from a system. And what I mean by that is I told my wife, I'm like, screw this. I, I was like cussing. I'm like, after this, like if people screw up again, like I'm not going to become their savior and rescue them. Like, yeah, I'll give people money, but it has to be from a system. Like if we can't recoup the money we gave, within a month, you know, through trading, then I'm not giving them any money. Like I'm, I'm literally giving a significant of a portion of our network, helping people out. Um, and that's where it got me in trouble because it was such a big portion that it can't, it, it, it was big enough to throw everything out of balance versus like, Hey, give us system. Like every month we're going to put away. And that's what we say every month, you know, we're going to take some of our trading profits and put it away into a blow fund. And that blow front is for family and friends. Like when they get into trouble, they need money from us. Then we'll just come from the blow fund, not from our build wealth fund. And so that's the solution we came up with. And that's what I said. Well, I probably had that. I'll make that mistake again because we put parameters in place to make sure it doesn't happen again. And that's the thing. That's what Peter talked about because it wasn't a failure. Because I'm like, okay, I learned something. It's a learning experience, really painful one, but I learned something, right? So I won't probably make that mistake again, but I definitely will make another mistake. I, I'm on average about every 10 years, I make a huge colossal financial mistake. <laughs> but the goal is I'm making, I'm trying to make sure that these mistakes don't take me out financially. But anyway, let me circle back because what I said earlier about I've made hundreds of mistakes over the years. So my biggest mistake has actually changed over the years. Like that's the first time I've ever made that kind of mistake. I've given money over the years, but not in that significant amount where it threw everything off. But I've given money and it didn't destroy me, right? Um, so my biggest mistake has changed over the years. It's not one thing. So I'll tell you my previous biggest mistake before this one was not paying enough attention to taxes, right? Um, we had, I can't recall the year, it, but it was a year we had our first six-figure tax bill where we paid over a hundred grand in taxes because of the profit we made. But the problem was I didn't have the money for the tax bill. We had spent it all, right? We had decided to uh, build a rental property in the state I was born in. I consider my home state. We paid cash. I don't like debt. I don't really like dealing with lenders. They're annoying to me. Um, applying for mortgages are. So I was like, yeah, screw this. We're just going to build it. We're going to pay all cash for it. So we did that. And part of that, was, I guess, money I should have been you set aside for taxes, but I didn't pay enough attention to taxes then. I didn't pay quarterly taxes because for up until that point, I just 
paid my tax. I just well, got my tax bill. We had enough money in our account. I just paid a tax bill. I had never had a six figure tax bill. So I never thought, oh, I got to keep six figures around for my tax bill. So it just caught me off guard. So that was my biggest mistake then because I was like, crap, we got this big tax bill. We don't have any money, but we did have a paid off house, right? So we wound up taking a HELOC, a home equity line of credit is where you, put, you know, it's like a loan you take out based on the equity in the property. So we took out the HELOC uh, to, to pay the tax bill. Um, and I hated that because again, I hate debt. Uh, and it took us probably about two to three years to pay that loan off. So that one mistake set us back about three years because each year we had to devote money towards the loan. We had to devote money towards our living expenses. And then because I learned that mistake, I'm like, oh, we also got to pay quarterly taxes, put money aside for taxes. And so we have more things. That's what one reason I hate debt is something else in your pocket, another hand in your pocket. Right. And so it's like, crap. So our money is now spread more thin. Um, because now we have this extra loan payment uh, we need to pay. So that was my biggest mistake a few years ago, and that was about uh, 10 years ago. And so, again, like I said, about every 10 years, it seems like I'm on track uh, to make some huge mistake. That leads to another lesson uh, that ties into the six-figure tax bill. Is because most people I talk to say they want to be six- or seven-figure traders. However, every single person I have coached who got there were just, they, they were absolutely disgusted by how much you pay in taxes when you trade with that kind of size. And it's something that people don't think about. They only think about all oh, the money they're going to be making, the cruises, the jets they're going to buy, and all this other stuff. But they don't consider uh, with that uh, benefit, with that being a one or three percenter, uh, comes a really big tax bill. And yes, there are ways to lower your tax bill, maybe even eliminate it, but I am not a tax expert. So you have to consult a tax expert to figure out how to do that. Lastly, I'll end with this. My biggest mistake before the tax bill was losing 100% of my money in my Roth IRA. I completely blew out that account, testing out a new strategy, right? Now, this was a mistake because at the time we were making too much money to contribute to the Roth IRA because they have uh, income limits. People who make too much money are not allowed to contribute to Roth IRAs. So that account stayed at zero until I learned about backdoor Roth IRAs. You can look this up online. It's just a way for high income earners to contribute to Roth IRAs. So once I figured that out, I'm like, okay, you know, we were able to devote a small amount of money to the IRA so I could start building it up again. Because um, that's, oh gosh, that's that that leads to another mistake I didn't even think about. The other mistake I, is I didn't contribute to my Roth IRA probably for the first 10 years of my trading career, even though my mentor told me to only trade in the Roth IRA, right? I was too greedy. I'm like, no, I want to live off my income. I want to trade in a taxable account. Well, guess what? That created a problem. Now I got stupid six-figure tax bills because I'm an idiot and I didn't listen to my mentor, right? I'm stuck with that. Unless I just give all the way to my money in my taxable account, but then we won't be able to live. You know, we won't be able to tr uh, be full-time traders and be financially free because my retirement accounts are smaller, right? Because I didn't listen to my mentor. But the reason he told me to contribute to the Roth IRA is because the money you pull out is tax-free, right? And so he, the goal was for us to become, have a million-dollar Roth IRA, you know, and then once we hit retirement, we're literally pulling millions from the market every single year and paying zero taxes on it. And if I had listened to my mentor, I would have been set up a little bit better for that. But but 
you know, I'm hard headed, take a long time to listen, but I did start at least building it up and it's not a million now. It's way tiny. I think it's only like a 20 grand now. Um, and I'm closer to retirement than I like to be. So I have to hurry up and try to build that up because I, I like the thought of earning millions a year and paying no taxes on it. So, um, that's a side mistake I didn't even think about. So as you can hear, I've made several colossal big mistakes over the years, and they're always evolving, always changing. You know, as I evolve and change over a person, my quote unquote biggest mistake um, always uh, changes. Um, and the last mistake I'll leave you with is the one in the very, 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 very beginning when I first learned options, I was greedy. I saw how much money you could make, and I started risking my entire account on one option trade or putting my full account tied up in different trades i you know that was probably better than at least putting my entire account on one trade because that that leaves no room for error that trade has to work out or else i lose all my money it almost did right and so that was a huge colossal mistake that i definitely moved away from and hasn't haven't made in probably good 20 something years uh, because that's how long i've been trading options so Again, I'll repeat what I said earlier for my final takeaway is that I've made several biggest mistakes over the years. I assume I'll continue to make them. Um, failing and getting back up is actually part of the cycle of success. Or again, maybe if I define failure as um, a learning experience where the lesson is not absorbed, then maybe it's not failure. So how about I rephrase that and say mistakes, you know, stumbling and falling and then getting back up is part of the cycle of success. Uh, but my goal is to never make a mis- My goal is not my, – my wife always hates when I do these double negative things. <laughs> She's a grammar – I'll call it a grammar snob. I was about to say my goal is to not to never. But anyway, my goal is to, is, is to – here's my goal, to make sure – that my mistakes don't wipe me out financially, that I'm still in a position to get back up and dust myself off and then continue on the journey. That is my goal. My goal is not to be perfect where I like, I never make any mistakes, right? People, I've met people like that. They actually look down on me because I've I've been bankrupt as a real estate investor. Like this is before options, right? I failed like the utmost failure in the world. Um, I went bankrupt, lost everything physically. I mean, spiritually, financially, like it's just complete bankrupt, literally and figuratively. Right. And I met people who looked down at me and because they had never made major mistakes with their money. They've always been good savers, you know, and they would kind of judge me and I'm like, you know, good for you. Um, But so that, but that's not my goal. Like, that's not my goal. Like, I don't, I don't, find any joy about, oh, I've never made a mistake. Like, I don't know, maybe it gives them a a sense of superiority, but that's not my goal in my life. My goal is, okay, if I make those kind of mistakes, what did I learn? Can I learn and get better? Um, Because all of my failures actually make me better. I think they're a huge reason why I actually became successful because that one person in particular I'm thinking about, and I'm not saying this in an arrogant, like, oh, way, but that one person I'm thinking about who judged me, I'm like, they actually still have a job. They still have to work. They're not financially free. I'm financially free. Like I don't have to work at a job. I haven't worked at a job since I was 34 or a traditional corporate job at least. Right. And a part of a part of that is because of all the mistakes I've made. Right. I've I've tried a lot of stuff. I'm like, yeah, that didn't work. Right. Next. You know, and so getting out there, trying different things, and eventually stumble across something that works 
better than you expected. And so I have now talked a lot and I didn't look at my timer. So I am going to shut up. And that is all I have to say. You know, I, there was one thing I wanted to just mention, because I can see, I know even myself looking at it, you can tend to, when you said, you know, you had to pay a six figure tax bill, I can see, uh, or hear, because I thought about, about it was, well, it'd be nice to have that kind of money, right? To have to pay a a six-figure tax bill, or it'd be nice to, some people look at like when wealthy people lose money, they think sometimes I I used to, you look at it like, yeah, woe is me. You lost a lot of money, but you have a lot of money. But the reality is what I learned was when you lose money, it doesn't matter what class you're in. It hurts and it feels the same way. Oh gosh, yes. Right. So, because mm-hmm. I know what it's like to be at the very bottom and lose money, and you're like, and it, so the amount of money, I guess, what I was going to say is the amount doesn't really matter because, um, you know, when you, so if you make minimum wage and you lose $5,000, that is devastating. Yes. If you make $600,000 a year and you lose a million dollars, that is devastating. Mm-hmm. The, the ratios may be similar. Um, and so it doesn't matter that, you know, some people look at it like, well, you're wealthy, Travis. So that's not that big a deal. <laughs> the interesting thing. And the last thing I will say is I knew about that issue, uh, cause you had told me about it and I can tell folks, um, from my perspective, you would have never known that, you know, the kind of loss that Travis had, uh, I, I didn't realize, like, I don't know that I could have been as, I can't think of the word, but po- as poised as you were, because um, I didn't see it affect you in any way from, uh, like, from an emotional standpoint. Now, I I don't see behind closed doors. I get <laughs> yeah, that. Right. See I me get crying that. a bit. <laughs> but, <laughs> but there's other people that don't see what I see either. You know, like uh, it's one of the things I, you know, me and Rob talk about it every once in a while. It's like, well, you know, yeah, I still. I still get to see a side of you that most people will never see like students Mm -hmm. of ours, right. That we'll never see. And I can tell you that um, the resilience is amazing. So it's something that I take into account when, when it's like, okay, so the best thing I can tell folks is when you see someone stumble or fall, the thing you should pay most attention to is how they get back up. Um, And that's what you learn. And Mm so I, that's what I pay attention to is like, what's the system Travis is plugged into that he gets him back up every, (laughs) gets him out of bed every morning to do the, the same thing that caused you to have this massive financial issue, Mm -hmm. but you still get up every day and do it. Right. So, um, and that's a system, something you taught us a long time ago. Right. So that's why I think last week's episode is so critical. Like, can you learn from free? You can, but it's times like these, that makes systems and groups and the people you belong to most beneficial. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Can I, I know we're over the time. Yeah, no, I, go ahead. I don't know ultimately what gets me, but I can tell you, I learned that a long time ago when I went bankrupt as a real estate investor, I stayed depressed for about two years and I'm not even exaggerating. Like I stayed in bed, cried, like somebody said, you slept like a baby. You know, you go to sleep and wake up every two hours crying. Right. And so, <laughs> Um, I didn't 
staying in the bed, staying depressed did not get me out of my financial pit hole. Mm-hmm. It didn't, didn't help one bit. So what I learned is like, okay, well, that doesn't work, right? I, that didn't make me rich, staying depressed and crying. The only thing that got me out that hole, well, I, I did file bankruptcy, but even still, you have to rebuild from there, right? So they took away all my retirement accounts. I mean, because when you file, they take everything. I had nothing. Like I couldn't even get a credit card at the time. And so I'm like, okay, the only thing I can do to rebuild is action. Like, all right, so I learned that. I'm like, okay, yeah, the mistake was still there. The feelings are still there. I was still embarrassed. Still, I still, I'm still embarrassed to this day. You get, you just deal with it. Over time, you live with the emotions a little better, the embarrassment a little better, right? But it never really leaves you. It's like a stain. But I learned that, okay, taking a lot of action, positive action, like, reading books, budgeting, like I took different actions and the actions that caused me to go bankrupt. So th- let me clarify that. It's not any action. You have to take better actions than, than actions you took previously, right? So you take a lot of action, better action. And it's like, oh, I was able to rebuild. And so maybe some way I internalize that because yeah, he's like, okay, well, staying here depressed and pissed off that I made the mistake and I shouldn't have never done it. Like that's not going to help. Like it's just freaking wasteful emotions. It's just going to make me more pissed off. So it's like, well, only thing I can do is just get up every day, like hustle. Like I got, I like I know that's going to work, right? Like all right, I've already built it once. I know what to do to build it again. So I just got to do it. So. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't, maybe it's like you internalize it, but I don't sit here and think about it every day. Like, all right, well, I do think about it. Like, okay, Travis, you, you having a pity party again. Like this is not going to help. So what can you do useful, right? You can help other people out. You screwed up, but there's still people out there. You can help. There's still people out there who are struggling financially, you know, something to help them. So that helps too, focusing on people. So um, that's one of the two, cause I struggle. I've always struggled with depression. I actually tried to for lack of a better phrase, tried to off myself when I was like 12. So I won't say the actual word because I don't like that's such a taboo word. But anyway, so, well, I will say it. I tried to commit suicide when I was 12. So I'll say that. I'll, I won't try to skirt around it. So I've always struggled with depression. But one of the tricks I use to manage it and I learned from somebody is focusing on other people. When you go help other people, especially people who might be in a different circumstance in you, it rewires your brain a bit and changes your chemistry a bit. So it takes you out your own personal pity party. And then it makes you feel better about life, better about yourself. And that helps keep you going. So that's a way long side tangent. I didn't mean to go through, but I just wanted to touch on that. You're like, I don't know how you did. I'm like, I don't know. I don't, I guess I don't think about it, but I did internalize that a long time ago. That sitting, doing nothing wasn't helpful. (laughs) So yeah, anyway, great. Great point. And the last thing I, I will just kind of add to that, because um, I think it can help is because I think we've all gone through financial difficulties, and we will always go through financial difficulties. One of the things I learned a long time ago, I was, I had just gotten out of active duty, I was going, this is the story I was telling you, I had 84 cents in my bank account, and I couldn't even take the bus, I had to walk <laughs> home. Um, but w- wow. something, something I learned, so I, I come home, I have no money but I have bills, right? Mm -hmm. I used to come home and wonder which utility wasn't going to be working when I got there because I knew I wasn't able to pay them. Um, But one thing I learned that really helped me through that was because you have to get a good night's sleep. It doesn't matter how long it is. It's just got to be good sleep, right? And I wasn't sleeping, so it was making me a wreck. And what I learned was, uh, I can't remember where I learned it, but they said, listen, 
when you go to bed at night, there's zero you can do about your finances or whatever issue you're dealing with. So stop thinking about it because mm. there's nothing you can do about it. And once I learned how to do that, it didn't happen overnight. Um, but once you learn how to do that, then I go to bed now and it's like, I have real concerns about things, finances, whatever. I don't think about them when I go to bed. I, I, I do something else that gets me out of that frame of mind. So hopefully uh, that can help uh, for some that, that are, I'm sure we all struggle with stuff. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah, this one went a little longer, but I think it was a, a very valuable podcast. So I hope you guys all got uh, really good value out of it. Um, and uh, we appreciate you guys sticking around. Next week, Travis will be starting. Uh, <laughs> and we'll be doing episode eight. And I'll just give you a kind of little quickie. We're going to be talking about our favorite investing options and or trading book. Mm. Uh, so I can't wait to talk about that one. So. With that, you guys, we will see you in next week's podcast. All right. Take care. See you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Options Millionaire Podcast. Be sure to join us each week as we dive into all the tools and techniques we use to become seven-figure traders. For more information and a copy of our show notes, head to www.optionswealthacademy.com.